Today's podcast is sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization helping credit unions compete and thrive in the financial marketplace. LSC offers products and services designed to help credit unions meet the needs of current and prospective members. Customizable credit and debit card programs feature full service with detailed reports, top fraud security tools, and more. A top provider in prepaid services to credit unions nationwide, LSC offers instant issue and reloadable cards. LSC's five-star service and marketing support help credit unions easily nurture valuable member relationships. Visit lsc.net for more information. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. Investigating a fraud incident involves not only resolving the issue, but also determining how it occurred and what can be done to prevent it from happening again. I'm Jennifer Plager, a senior editor with CUNA. I recently sat down with Steve Timmons, fraud coordinator at $778 million asset VSECU in Montpelier, Vermont, to talk about fraud resolution, the top fraud threats, how to stay on top of fraud, and more. Steve, you're the fraud coordinator at VSECU. Can you talk a little bit about what you do and and also how you ended up in the position that you're in? Okay, well, the fraud coordinator, if you took it literally, it almost sounds like I coordinate fraud, but I don't. Uh, It's just the opposite. Our area tries to prevent fraud from occurring to our members and or this institution. And protecting our members is something that we take very seriously and have invested time and money in it to do so. For example, right now we use Verifin, which is a behavior-based system uh, as it comes to identifying fraud. Um, And it's a valuable tool for us in in that process. But along with Verifin, we also use other data from uh, systems, uh, you know, other than Verifin, and kind of combine the information to give us a broader picture of what's actually going on within the institution. I'll give you an example of that. We actually do a new account review process where we uh, combine uh, information actually from three systems, and we use that information to make sure that we've done our due diligence in opening new accounts in accordance with our uh, policies and procedures. And some other examples of that would do uh, would be we actually review mobile banking uh, deposits, uh, you know, cash deposits. Uh, return checks, uh, you know, they're again using the same technique of combining information from multiple systems. Sounds like a lot of work, but it does help us to identify fraud a little better, you know, getting that full picture of uh, what's happening. And how did you get involved in the position that you're in now? What kind of, what interests you about fraud? Well, it, it's kind of funny because the position that I actually applied for uh, when I came to work for the institution was not. Uh, a fraud position. It, um, it kind of leaned that way. It was a deposit recovery position, which uh, working out uh, you know, deposit issues with members who may be in overdraft. It kind of progressed into what we're doing now, you know, as far as the fraud department, because the institution did see a need for you know, a fraud department, uh, you know, given what was happening in the industry. So they actually formed us. So it was kind of by default. But I do find it interesting, you know, given my background, you know, as far as a position that, uh, you know, that does interest me. And you say, given your background, what is your background before you started diving into fraud? 
Uh, it's kind of a broad background. I actually worked for the mortgage banking industry for uh, 23 years. And within that uh, industry, I held positions like branch manager, an REO manager. I was an internal auditor for a while, I was a tax department head, a customer service manager, and a correspondent liaison contract administration manager. So many roles at different levels. And it actually wasn't until 2008 that I actually ventured outside of the financial arena and took a position as a customer service manager with an environmental testing company in Burlington. You may ask how I got there. Well, I actually visited Vermont one October. <laughs> I'm one of those people who came to Vermont uh, during leaf season, uh, fell in love with the place and decided to put a resume out and uh, you know look to move here because it was... At the time, I had a, a young uh, son and was looking for, you know, a place that I felt uh, would be uh, a nice place to raise him as a child, and that's how we ended up uh, in Vermont. 2013, I actually decided to get back into the financial industry, and that's when I took the position here with uh, the SECU. Now, when you are working and looking at the, the fraud incidents that are coming into VSCCU, your approach to tackling fraud really involves diving into that story, getting getting details from the member, and putting in some extra effort. Can you talk a little bit about your approach and, and why you take that approach? Yeah, I think what really started me on it, you know, when you start seeing fraudsters take advantage of your members, uh, you know, you want to find out, one, how they did it, and, and two, is there a way for me to be able to prevent it going forward? And, uh, you know, having that, as I mentioned, that audit background, you know, I like to look at things closely and see if there's a way to maybe you can develop policies and procedures or, or at least a, a method in uh, identifying these things early and preventing that type of fraud. We actually had a situation, just to give you an example, of a young mother who was uh, you know, trying to earn a little extra money for her uh, family and had applied for a position online. You know, it was the old... Uh, job where you would actually go into uh, a, a retail business, uh, and this actually involved uh, gift cards. Uh, so they sent her a bogus check, of course, it's how it all starts out and says, you know, we need you to go in and, and do this, uh, you know, transaction for us at this particular location. And uh, then, you know, then provide the information to us and give us some background about what your experience was. So it's kind of like a secret shopper. And... You know, she called upset, uh, you know, because she was concerned about, you know, what had happened. And, and in looking at it, uh, you know, I was kind of interested in how it all took place and, and understanding how those gift cards work and understanding that the fraudster needed the information, which, you know, what they request them to do as well is take the label off the back of the cards, provide the card information on the back, which gives them the ability to go online and uh, activate these cards and use those funds. So I was, uh, you know, interested because there's a number on the back of the card that you can call. And I was like, you know, I'm going to reach out to see if there's something we can do to prevent, uh, you know, the use of these cards. And what I was told, of course, was that, yes, if I give them the information, then what they can do is go in and see if the card has been activated. And if it hasn't, they would actually put a block on it, understanding that, uh, you know, this was a fraud case. So we were actually able to, uh, in that particular instance, you know, get a uh, a little over thousand dollars back for the uh, member uh, who fell victim to that uh, secret shopper scheme, the job she applied for online. 
but uh, you know, I guess to make a long story short, uh, yeah, you look at everything that happens and, and what you try to do is analyze each situation to see if we could have done something differently or put something in place that can maybe uh, you know, either assist us to get the money back quickly. Because in any instances involving fraud, uh, you have to react quickly or the money will be gone. So it sounds like it's, it's a little bit more intensive, takes a little bit more legwork on your end, but I bet that reaction when you're able to resolve an incident for a member, that reaction that you get from that member has to make it kind of all worth it, right? Oh, it's great. You know, if, and you can even tell from a, a voice over the phone how uh, appreciative you know, folks are when you save them from what could be, in, in some instances, a substantial loss. You know, we've had instances involving wires where we were able to actually contact the financial institution, and I'm talking about tens of thousands of dollars. Well, if you reach out soon enough before they can actually, uh, you know, access the account they may have at the other institution and explain to that institution that, you know, this involves fraud, in a lot of cases, they'll lock those accounts down until it can be uh, reviewed. And in a couple of cases, we were able to save, well, combined, it was over $80,000. So... It's important that when these things happen to be able to react quickly. And you can well imagine when you save somebody that type of money, uh, they're definitely uh, you know, thankful that you're able to do so. And, you know, it makes us feel good to know that we were able to protect our members. And you say, you know, it's important to react quickly, but at the same time, fraud is something that it seems like it's always changing. What are some of the top threats that you're seeing when it comes to fraud that credit unions and members need to be watching out for? Well, I think the, you know one of the most frequent scams that we see, and it's kind of sad in a way because it involves relationship scams. You know where people meet someone online, uh, they develop this trust with this person because these fraudsters will spend months setting the individual up more or less for for a fraud scam building that level of trust where, you know, at some point they'll either ask for a financial favor or ask, uh, you know, for them to start processing transactions for them because they're in a location or are in a situation where they're unable to do so themselves. And the sad part of a lot of these relationship scams is the fact that it involves the elderly, you know, who are often uh, victims simply because, or targeted victims because of the amount of money they've acquired over a lifetime. And these fraudsters work these these guys to see if uh, you know see if they can acquire those uh, those funds. You know, it's nothing but somebody you know being lonely. Uh, they find someone who, who uh, spend the time you know chatting with them, passing emails back and forth. And I can relate to it. You know, there was a time when my grandfather passed away, and my grandmother shortly after that. Unfortunately, we just go out and just sit outside you know on the porch and. Me being a busy person as often as we are, don't take the time to stop in, visit, see how they're doing. And, you know, that's in a lot of cases how these people fall victim is because, uh, you know, there's not that interaction uh, as much as it should be with, with others, you know, either family members, neighbors, or whatever the case may be, which causes them to fall victim to these scams once that attention is being shown by these fraudsters. Another big concern of ours, of course, is not only relationship frauds, but everything that you read about synthetic fraud. I mean, if you go back to the 2014, 2015, you know, when the card breaches began happening, you know, all of a sudden you saw the shift uh, to data. I mean, just information 
you know, on us as individuals, and I think what the number I've heard quoted is like 11% of the world's population has been, uh, you know, victimized by these data breaches. So there's a lot of information out there on us that can be used to, one, either steal our own personal ID or to create a synthetic ID, which involves the... Uh, the use of maybe my piece of information and your piece of information to create this individual, and then as they try to uh, you know set up accounts, you know this thing or this make believe person becomes a record, and it's kind of scary to think that given all the data breaches that have occurred, you know how easy this would be for those fraudsters to do so. And then looking at some of the numbers that's been quoted about you know the potential losses, you know you're talking into billions. Um, you know, associated with this type of fraud, and that's with a B, which is scary. And, you know, you say to yourself, well, you know, why would the number be so high? Well, these guys will have the ability, you know, once they create those, you know, they can open new accounts, they can obtain loans, credit cards, you know, max out credit cards. Anything that you and I as an honest consumer are able to do, these guys can do with that stolen information. And, you know, of course, the ease of uh, access to this information through the dark web for these guys, uh, you know, with the buying and selling of this information uh, makes it kind of scary. And one of the, uh, you know, <laughs> terminologies I like to refer to, of course, is that we call it the information highway, but it's quickly becoming a fraud freeway. And it's kind of scared, that, you know, as quickly as fraud's growing at such a disturbing rate. And we see fraud growing faster and and changing all the time. As a fraud coordinator, as somebody who's kind of keeping their eyes out on fraud, what keeps you up at night? What are you most concerned about? Well, you know, what really keeps me up at night is, is the fact that, uh, you know, so much of this is, is so common. And, you know, what we try to do to kind of offset that, that is, uh, you know, try to educate uh, the employees. And of course, uh, you know, we have this initiative now to try to, uh, educate our members. I mean, we're actually working with an outside organization in doing so, and I don't want to mention in this AARP, because, you know, not only are we aware, but those guys are aware of the fraud schemes that are occurring nationally, and in some cases internationally. And, you know, we're, we're aware of what's happening within our four walls, but, you know, there's other things that are progressing, you know, fraud schemes that are progressing that maybe hasn't made it here yet. So, you know, keeping people informed, educated, you know, both from an employee standpoint as well as a, uh, a member standpoint is a critical piece in making sure that fraud doesn't occur. Do you have any other tips or best practices that you've picked up during your career working with fraud that you would give to other folks who are in similar positions as you? Training the employees. Giving that information to your members through your training, training sessions with them, you know, education, training, education, training, education, training, as one of always say. And of course, uh, you know, there's so many resources that are actually available to us as, as consumers that's free. Uh, all you need to do is access it, uh, you know, to get a clear understanding of what is happening out there. Like in the state of Vermont, the state attorney's general's office actually, uh, you know, has a, a, a as part of their site the scams that are happening to Vermonters. I'm sure every state's attorney general is the same way. But there's other sites too that people can access, like FTC.gov, which is Federal Trade Commission, who tracks fraud schemes and what's happening out there. 
you know, of course, I mentioned AARP, uh, you know, their site has uh, in- information as it relates to scams. USA.gov, uh, you know, any one of these sites you can go to. And if, if you want to just type in the word scam or the search scams, it will be, uh, you know, pretty uh, uh, mind-bending to see, you know, how much and what's occurring out there to people. Do we ever worry that people are going to start getting complacent and that just kind of accepted a eh, fraud, it happens, and, and move on? Or is there that worry out there? I think that's the education piece. Uh, you know, as long as you keep putting information out there and showing them that it's not, you know, it's not something that's just a PC scam. It's not just a credit card number theft type fraud. It's that it's so dynamic and so forever changing and I think you can, if you can build that mindset into people and, you know, have them be uh, more, I guess you'd say, uh, uh, aggressive in educating themselves as it relates to these scams, I don't think that complacency would exist, you know, simply because it does happen so frequently. It is so dynamic, and it's important that we do train ourselves to, you know, stay uh, you know, make yourselves aware of what's happening, and you know, as I always, tell people, watch your accounts. Uh, you know, don't wait for a, a monthly statement. Look at your accounts routinely to make sure there isn't anything, uh, you know, that doesn't belong to you that's occurring on your accounts. We here at Cuna, we heard about your story when um, you were nominated for Credit Union Magazine's Rockstar issue that was that was just published a, a few months ago. What was your reaction when you found out that you had been nominated and selected? Well, I was, you know, definitely flattered. Uh, uh, you know, it always makes you feel good when you get recognition for for doing your job. But I think the, you know, the piece that's really uh, rewarding is the fact that yes, you're getting recognition for it, but having that recognition come from your members expressing their gratitude for the job that you've done. I think, you know, speaks volumes as far as, uh, you know, what recognition should be, you know, being able to uh, protect your members that way. You know, fraud, like I said, is is so forever changing. And I know we've talked about, you know, education and training, but I think that's really the key is to make sure that, you know, we as employees and, um, you know, our members themselves it's making sure that, that training is available and that information is available for them to be able to protect themselves. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play. This podcast was sponsored by LSC, a credit union service organization helping credit unions compete and thrive in the financial marketplace. LSC provides products and services designed to meet the needs of current and prospective members. Learn more at lsc.net.